Good morning. Welcome. Today is Girl Scout Sunday Recognition Day, and they're all outside. No, here's some. Here they are. Okay. I thought y'all still outside. Stand up. Stand up. Let's recognize these Girl Scouts that we have in leaders with us today. <laughs> Wendy, you want to say anything? Anybody else? Okay, thank you and for supporting them and giving them a place to, to be. And of course, we are always happy to see you this Sunday. Because, and if you didn't buy your Girl Scout cookies, you need to buy them after the service, right? Be out front. Okay, thank you. We are very appreciative for everything that the Girl Scout leaders do with the Girl Scouts and making them into godly women. A very important and fine program that we support here couple of reminders. Young at Heart meets Wednesday for lunch. Easter Lily Order deadline is next Sunday in their $8. So you need to make sure you get your Easter Lily Order in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Next Sunday at, at 5 o'clock is the big birthday bash is fundraiser, silent auction, live entertainment, dinner, birthday cake, and ice cream as we celebrate Ellen's birthday, our little Uganda girl that we are sponsoring as our Lenten special offering. And so I hope that you will uh, be here for that. It's $5 tickets. You can buy them ahead of time or at the door. And there's also T-shirts for sale. I believe that's all the announcements I have. Yes, let us begin our worship.
pray together. O oh God, our Deliverer, God, now the people of your church have fallen our Savior. We may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
let us affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. may be seated. Let our children come forward at this time. Good morning. Thanks. Okay. Had to bring my prop guy with me. Okay. What is this? Do you know what this is? Well, it's not a Bible. It's what? It has all the, yeah, all the songs in it. So it's, but it's a book, right? I want you to imagine that all of your sins are written in this book. Okay? What is... What would be a good example of a sin that might be in here? Like if you told a lie, yeah, yeah, it said you washed your hands but you really didn't, you know? Or if you talked back, maybe you said something mean you shouldn't have, or maybe you slammed the door when you got angry. Does that ever happen? Just happens to me, okay. All right, what about when you're mean to a friend? Maybe you're not as nice as you should have been, or maybe to your brother or sister? Does that ever happen? Okay. Okay. Would, would all of us have the same size book? Probably not, right? Some people would have a little bit bigger books. Some would have some smaller books, right? Yeah, depending on how much sin you did. But today we're all going to have the same size. So if you'll all take a book. This is our sin book. All right. I know. Don't you want one? Um, okay, here you go. There you go. All right, all the way in the back. You get sins in the back too. All the way. Okay. Okay, so now what I want you to do is take your sin and hold it out like this. Hold it straight out, arms straight out. I want you to hold it the whole time I'm talking. Okay? You think you can do that? You think you could hold it for a really, really, really long time? Maybe till after lunch? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. 
here's the Bible verse that we're going to kind of talk about today. And it's part of the first, you're doing good, you're doing good. The first part, it's part of Peter, first Peter, excuse me, 24. And it says, he himself, and we're talking about Jesus here. He himself bore our sins. What does bore mean? Does anybody know? It's kind of a big word. What do you think? Yeah, it means that it's on him, right? He bore our sins. He held our sins, just like you're holding yours, okay? Y'all are doing good. Are you starting to sweat? Okay. Your arms are hurting. Bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Okay, you can put them down now. Okay. Okay, so now what we're going to do, I'm going to attempt to do, I'm going to put this down. Is that okay? Okay. Can you imagine how heavy just the sins in this church would be if everybody had to put their hymnals and we had to hold them? Can you imagine how heavy that would be? Woo, okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stand, I'm going to take your books off of you. Okay? <coughs> right, so I want you to come up here and put your books. Put it on this side. If I can do this. All right, and you can put yours on this side. Okay. And you put yours here. Okay? Come on up. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right? So I have taken all of your sin, right? This is what Jesus did for us. Now, I could not sit here for very long. And you might see these books start to shake a little bit. Okay? So how many people do you think are in here? Okay, 100. That's a good number. All right, so if there's 100-ish people in here, can you imagine holding all those books? I'm just holding six and my arms are getting a little tired, okay? That's a lot of weight. But Jesus bore all of that. He held all of our sins, everybody's sins, on himself. And he was without sin. I have to put them down. He was without sin himself, but he took on all of ours. And why did he do that for us? Because he loves us. He did it because... Because we needed him to take that sin for us. We needed him to do that so that we could be righteous. Okay? That sound good? All right, no more weight left in Okay. Can you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for taking all of our sin onto your body so that we can live for righteousness. Amen. from 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 23 through 25 When they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate When he suffered he made no threats Instead he entrusted himself to him who just judges justly He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Oh! 
Let us bow our heads in prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. Oh God, we come this day and offering our praises and thanksgiving to you. We come opening our hearts and bring our confessions. We know that you have given us the ways to walk, the wise ways. And we know your words are true. And we pray this day, O oh Lord, that you'd find what we do acceptable in thy sight. But we must confess this day, O oh Lord, that we have been weighed down by sins. We continue to commit sins. And when we do that, when we choose to live outside your precepts, we risk a life apart from you. And so we've come this day, O oh Lord, in discerning our errors. We beg your forgiveness. And we pray that you'd clean us up and not let our faults have dominion over us, that we might walk once again blameless in your sight. We pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd fill us and help us with our testimony so we can show the world that the truth is found in Christ Jesus, crucified and risen, our hope. We pray this day, O oh Lord, for all those which, which may be perishing, those who may perish be suffering from physical and mental and spiritual distress, emotional torment. We pray, O oh Lord, for each one, all those we printed on our prayer list. And we pray especially for Karen, uh, Gwen, who's recovering from very serious surgery. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would touch all them in your mercy and bring them to wholeness once more. We pray because we know that you are our Lord and we know that you love us and we know that you care for us. And so we offer these prayers uh, in the name of the Lord to you, O oh God. And we pray as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward at this time.
Please be seated. The Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. Give attention to the reading of God's holy word. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple he said, Here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for all the words you gave us while you walked among us and taught, and especially for the words you gave us from the cross. So help us now, oh Lord, as we look at you and 
your example, and your compassionate heart. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, last week you heard about paradise, a wonderful statement about salvation that awaits all those who've been forgiven, who put their trust and faith in Christ Jesus. And today we still stand in, at the foot of the cross and we, we see Jesus look down from the cross on the faithful few who did not abandon him during this difficult time, mainly his mother, Mary Magdalene, sister-in-law, and John, and who was the only disciple who had not scattered in fear and dismay. And so we hear this third word, which we start to see the Lord move from thinking about all the people in the world to thinking about those immediately in the vicinity. And we hear his compassionate heart speak of love and responsibility that he felt for his mother in this simple act, this simple observation, this last, if you will, command to his disciple there. You know, when you look at Jesus, you see the perfect picture of obedience. And sometimes we fail to realize that this obedience, this total obedience, comes with it a lot of pain and suffering. Not just the pain and suffering endured on the cross on our behalf to take away our sins, but also the pain and suffering on a human level, on the level of his mother and himself. At this time, the tradition tells us that Joseph, his stepfather, had already died. That we do know that Jesus had brothers and sisters that came along after him. And there was a lot of speculation about why Jesus did not follow, say, the tradition or the law and entrust his mother to the care of them. But it's important, it's important to see that in this particular instance, it could be that they weren't there where they needed to be spiritually. After all, they, according to tradition, they were not present at the cross. John, however, was, and he was a very close disciple and friend. And I think Jesus' command to his mother and to John speaks very strongly to us about who our true family is. You may recall in the scriptures early on when Jesus was out teaching and preaching and healing the sick when, when his family got concerned about him for some reason. They, they, they were worried he wasn't getting enough rest and nourishment. And they went looking for him and, and somebody said, your, your, your brothers and sisters are here. And Jesus, if you remember this from Sunday school maybe or from a scripture reading, Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is, who is my brother? Who is my sister? And then he pointed to his disciples and he said, here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so I believe what Jesus was doing there at the cross was reminding all of us throughout the next generations up and even to this day that our family is more than just those who are blood kin to us. 
that our family is in a sense all the people of God, all the brothers and sisters in the faith here and there and around the world. And our mother, our real true spiritual mother is the church. The church that nurtures us, that sees us into the world and out of the world. And I think the Lord is putting into place this same idea that he had previously said when he said, who are my brothers and sisters and mothers? It's those who do the will of God. So it's important for us to see, I think the first maybe lesson from looking at this picture today is that just like our Lord was obedient to the Father, to the cross, He was obedient as a son to His mother, we sometimes must also entrust our family to our spiritual family. Our, our blood family has to be entrusted to our spiritual family. And, for, and friends, through the church, God has entrusted us a, a huge spiritual family no matter where we go. When, I, when, when our kids were young and growing up, I used to tell them, I said, if you get in trouble, if something happens to you, and you're away from home, even if it's something simple, find the nearest church. Ask them for help. Tell them you're a Christian believer. Go to a Methodist church first. <laughs> Tell them your father is a pastor. <laughs> but go to the church. When I was following my call into ministry, I remember having a conversation with my mother. And my mother and my grandmothers, both my grandmothers and my mother, were strong influences in my uh, upbringing, in my life. Uh, my father and grandfather was too, but there's something, a special connection between my mother and my grandmothers and the faith. And I remember telling my mother, I said, the thing I'm going to miss the most is being with you on Sunday mornings and on special times like Christmas Eve communion. And, and, and things like that, sitting with you in the pew, in the pew, worshiping with you. I said, I feel like I'm giving up my mother and my family. And my mother says, you are, but God's giving you something greater than this immediate family. God's going to give you a whole bunch more mothers and a whole bunch more fathers and all kind of brothers and sisters wherever you go and friends in this extended family is the reason I'm not going to worry about you. And during those years, I've, I have been away from my family. They've always been out of state. And they faced a lot of challenges and difficult times, and I wished I could have been there. But I entrusted their lives to the God I serve and those believers who have become their family through the church that they participated in. And I'm sure you probably have done the same thing. And knowing that, knowing that I could pick up the phone and call a friend in the church or a pastor in a church and say, check on my dad has been a lot to me. That connection we have, uh, this connection that we're all part of a big family of believers.
is something I believe that the Lord is trying to tell us that day from the cross. And just as Jesus was in total obedience to what his father wanted him to do, I also see the, the obedience of John that day and Mary, you see. John did, according to tradition. He stepped in. He became a son to Mary. He opened his house to Mary, took her in. In fact, tradition says she died at his home. And Mary became the spiritual mother, not only of John, but the fledging church that day. And even unto every generation, Mother Mary is important to us all. And it's important for us to think upon this scene that day and think about Mary for a moment. You know, when Mary was visited by the angel and was told that she was going to bear the Son of God, that was a tremendous honor. But when Jesus was just a baby, she found out that being the mother of Jesus would one day bring her great pain. You might remember this story from Sunday school or your Bible reading. Scripture records that on the day of Jesus' circumcision at the temple courts, there was a man there by the name of Simeon. And God had revealed to this man that he would not die before he saw the, the, the anointed one, the one that was to come, the Messiah of Israel, that he would not die before he saw him. And when he saw Jesus and recognized and realized this is the one, he was reported in Scripture that he said to Mary, he said, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. In other words, this child will bring judgment upon the world. And then he added one sentence, and he said, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You see, Mary was warned that she would feel a pain so great that it would be as painful as a sword piercing her heart. Imagine, imagine as a mother of an infant child being told that. This child will someday cause you great pain. And yet she continued to be the responsible mother of Jesus, raising him in obedience to the faith, knowing that one day something about Jesus would cause her great pain. I'm sure that day on the cross, when Jesus lovingly looked down and, and said, Dear woman, here is your son, and, and my friend, here is your mother, that it must have pierced her heart. It must have been a great burden. It had to begin as she saw him struggle to carry the cross, and then later as he was hung on the cross. That day, Mary gave up her son to the world. But in that obedience, in so doing, the lives of millions of people throughout the generations have been saved and are being saved still today. And so we've come here to the cross again. First, we heard that forgiveness 
is God's first word to all of us. And from that comes paradise, the promise of paradise. And now here in this third word, we see, we understand the Lord's personal, compassionate heart, His humanness, as He sees His mother, and He sees His disciple, and He thinks about providing for her as He goes away. You know, Christ's compassionate heart, Mary's undying devotion, have inspired many throughout the, the ages to do things that were, you might have thought was beyond their capability. To become doctors and missionaries and teachers and all the different things to help people, nurses. But it's all, not always been big, gigantic things. People haven't just done big, gigantic things when, when they've looked closely at the cross and seen Jesus and listened to His words. Sometimes they've just done some small things. Or at least it might seem small in some people's eyes and minds, but sometimes those small things are the most important things. And so I want to share one with you. It's a true story that is found in the book Loving God. The author tells the story of a 91-year-old woman, never too late to do something significant in your life. She was known affectionately as, a, as Grandmother Hal, or Grandma. And she was moving into twilight of her life. She had more than one reason to let depression take over, you know, just to give up and to die. She had outlived one of her children. One of her other children was in declining health. Almost all of her friends were dead. She had begun to believe that there was nothing left for her to live for. Nothing left to live for. And one day, she prayed with all her heart and told the Lord that if He didn't have anything more for her to do, she was ready to die. That's a, that's a common thing that the elderly say for you who are not elderly. I remember hearing my own grandmother say that. But according to Grandmother Howe in this book that's a quote from her story is that she heard the Lord say three words that came into her mind just as clear as a bell. And she said, they, the three words were this, write, you know, write to prisoners. So she did. She wrote her first letter. And this is what she wrote. I quote, Dear inmate, I am a grandmother. My love and sympathy goes out to you. I'm willing to be a friend. If you'd like to hear from me, write me and I'll answer every letter you write. And she signed it, Grandmother Howe. She looked around and decided that she didn't know where to send the letter, so she did a little bit of research and found out that the nearest place was the Atlanta Penitentiary. She lived in Columbus, Georgia. So she sent her letter to the Atlanta Penitentiary. The letter made its way to the prison chaplain's office. And he sent 
Miss Myrtle, how the name of eight prison inmates. This was the beginning of an unbelievable ministry of encouragement. Over the next months, this elderly woman carried on an extensive written ministry with hundreds of incarcerated men and women. And it was all done from her little room in the, the nursing home in Columbus, Georgia. She had seen and heard and experienced the compassionate heart of Jesus from the cross. And she wanted to give back. She wanted to do something special. She wanted to bring that same compassion to others. Maybe some of those who had never felt it, never heard it, never seen it. You know, when I, about 20 years or so ago, there was a minister who came through uh, my mom, the mother and daddy's church and he started, he went to the local, there was a prison there at the time, it's now shut down and he went to that prison and he said, can I bring some prisoners in the church bus to church? Those that might be allowed to have those kind of privileges. And he did. And he didn't get any approval. <laughs> and the first Sunday, I'll never forget mom telling me about this. The first Sunday that they that they got there and he they come all of a sudden here comes the bus up with with the preacher driving it, and in parades these about twelve prisoners in their prison outfits. And of course, you know, I mean, well, if all of a sudden 12 prisoners walked in here and come in and sat down, I imagine we'd get some murmuring, right? If not, at least. My mother, God bless her. My mother, during the next few weeks, there was quite a bit of controversy about what the preacher had done. Okay? Y'all ever had any controversy in church? You ever heard of any controversy? And he, he, uh, he didn't have too many people that was on his side, but my mother was. And my mother was able to get her class, and that's, you know, you know when you get a certain age, like mom's in a class with older women, dad's in a class with older men, except dad can't go to church anymore. But anyway, and they took every one of those boys, got their names, how to write them, and started writing them, and told them, and when they'd come on church after church, and before church started, they'd go over and talk to them, bring them cookies, all kinds of stuff like that. My mom, she's a real rabble-rouser, okay? She <laughs> and they turned that into such a positive thing. And those inmates 
were just, you wouldn't believe. They ended up having all these people wanting to come to, to Valdez First United Methodist Church from the prison because of the way they had been welcomed and the way this ministry was going on. And it was because of a simple, a bunch of little old ladies who said, we're not afraid of them inmates. They could have been our son. But by grace of God, they're not, and we need to give something back. You see, not everybody... Everybody, let me it's not everybody, but everybody is called by the compassion of Christ to make a difference in the world. And Grandmother Halby was one of those. She made a difference. She became a spiritual mother to all these people. And one inmate wrote her and said, Dear Grandmother, you've given me all the love I've missed for years, and my whole outlook on life has changed, and you made me realize that life is worth living, and that's not all bad, end of quote. Total obedience to what the Father calls us to do often requires great sacrifice. Jesus giving up his mother that day and his mother giving up her son. Sometimes it causes us just small sacrifice. The willingness to write a letter to an unknown inmate. What we should always see and hear from the Lord Jesus from the cross is this. There's the compassion of Christ's heart that comes out in these first three words. Forgiveness, paradise, mother. And so we continue to stand at the foot of the cross in awe of our Lord and we wait his next word. Amen.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, may they be yours this day and each day. Amen.